2: show of hands, do any of you feel like the economy has gotten better in the past year? (laughs) All of you are saying no, even though the jobs picture is brighter, even though the direction of the economy and recovery is happening. Are you all concerned about rising prices and inflation?
3: I go to the grocery store now, I'm I'm paying double the amount that I was paying
1: um, you know, Even a few months ago, uh, everything's gone up.
0: Gun violence is a huge reason for the surge in crime. Uh, Underfunding of some police departments and their need for additional resources.
4: But first, the press corps' priorities versus the public's priorities. Do reporters and viewers care about the same things? And when there's a mismatch, what should the media do differently? I would wager to say that the press cares a lot more than the public about gaffes and gripes and White House cleanup efforts, which is not to say that President Biden's missteps are meaningless. They do matter. But do they matter as much as pocketbook issues? This brand-new NBC poll shows what matters most. Only 22% of Americans saying the country is on the right track, many feeling the pinch of inflation. One of the pollsters described America as divided, doubting democracy, and tuning out. And that last part's really interesting, tuning out. Quoting NBC, interest in the upcoming November midterms is down, not up. People aren't paying attention to what might happen 10 months from now. They're tired, they're demoralized. Some are just tuning out the news. Sunday morning.
2: So today's topic is misinformation.
5: Brian Stelter sees how one
4: school is fighting back. Do you all feel like every student could be learning news literacy? Reliable Sources, live Sunday morning at 11
6: absolutely too many people doubted us. They never believed in West Virginia, they never believed in West Virginia that we could do it. They never believed that the new corps or the Green Power or Owens and Minor. they never believed, they never believed they'd be here. They told every bad joke in the world about us. And so from that standpoint, baby dog, Tells Bette Midler and all those out there, kiss her honey.
7: What you think? What do you think? What do Stupid
6: son of a bitch. And welcome back to Flower Politics
8: Podcast. It is, what the hell is it? It's the 6th of February, year of our Lord 2022. Yeah, I'm just getting over COVID. Ain't that some shit? So last Saturday, I wanted to get a thermometer. And remember, I'm vaxxed, supposedly. I was supposed to get my booster in December, and I called the Army, but they didn't have shots, plus it's equity, and I'm a retiree, so I couldn't get my booster. But by then, I didn't really think I wanted to get a booster because we pretty much were seeing it doesn't really matter, and it really doesn't matter because a lady was in Lowe's, and since the COVID-19 crisis, Lowe's is one of the few places I actually wear a mask because I always see people in there that are sick. And when we first started the lockdowns, I remember going to a Lowe's and there are probably 5,000 people in the Lowe's. Nobody was masked. Nobody. And that's back when I took the pandemic really serious. I remember writing to mayor and saying, what the fuck? Small business has got to be closed right now. But you got Lowe's with about 2,000 fucking people in there. Nobody's masked. Staff's not masked. Nobody's masked. I thought we were supposed to be masked. And me and the wife stayed away. Of course, that's when we, you know, was the initial. Everybody's dying. It's like Ebola. We're all going to die. I did not wear my mask. Wearing it at work. Part of the job. Had to have come in contact with people with COVID before now. I just had to have. But I never got it. And this lady's whooping coughing. And I held my breath and walked past her, got what I needed. And then I walked a different way so I wouldn't go back through her wake. But that's all I needed. Come Monday night, I got diarrhea like you wouldn't believe. So I think I got the flu and I go to work on Tuesday. But as the day goes on, I am fucking sick, like really sick. And so the wife drags me out Wednesday. I called out of work and of course I had to report it. So now I'm going on COVID and I test positive. And then begins the journey. I didn't leave the bedroom till yesterday. Um, I got to admit, it's all backwards. Like, today is the first day I have a little dry cough, but I think it's all the cold medicine. But it was a weird illness. I mean, you know you're sick. But I've been sicker is the weird thing. And we shut an economy down for it. I mean, I've been a lot sicker. I've had stuff that, Hold on a second. My computer's acting weird. Um, <clears throat> I've had stuff that, you know, I was not like, had to go to the hospital for. But it doesn't come like they say it's supposed to come. You know, I, I didn't get a bunch of boogers until, like, day four. Um, I want to say Thursday night, Friday night. I literally was just, I went through two boxes of Kleenex, just boogers. And I never really got a chest thing but I started using Mucinex the moment I got sick. Um, Monday, my chest felt weird. But once again, you're thinking you're going to cough. You think you're going to have all these symptoms that they talk about, but I didn't get any of them. Um, So basically, it was just a low-grade fever that finally popped Uh, Wednesday night. I had a low grade, like 99. Um, I think the highest ever got to is 100, but I didn't get it like people I've heard has got 104. A lot of boogers, fatigued, didn't want to eat anything. Uh, I haven't lost my taste. I can still taste stuff and smell stuff. But I felt like garbage. And my wife, bless her heart, didn't want to get COVID. But I kept telling her, if I got it, you already had it. Because we were kissing and hugging, you know, Monday and Tuesday before I went to work. So she clearly had it. But she didn't want to believe it so she locked me in my room and then she got sick thursday um, thursday she popped a fever her fever broke that night and now she is uh laying in bed sleeping she has just a heavy duty cough and she just started to get boogers but she never got the diarrhea and, and uh just really bad body aches and simultaneously while this is going on on the other side of the coast matt o my bro got it and his is like my wife's a lot of pain and some congestion and a fever but um you know it really pisses me off i find myself uh thinking about it a that lady who knew she was sick why she was in public you know i just don't understand i mean i purposely stayed out of public I did the right thing. I, I locked down. She shouldn't have been in public. Let me turn up my gain a little bit. And these vaccines don't work. I mean, my last vaccine was in May. May. June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Eight months is all I got out of it. And that was a huge family problem because the wife didn't want to get vaccinated. And I forced her to get vaccinated. And, uh, yeah, that kind of sucks. So we've missed a lot while I was laying in bed. 'cause I was gonna come down a podcast, but I don't think you'd wanna see a podcast with me just blowing my nose. And the son of a bitch is where I wanna start because it's pretty much everything you expect out of our media.
7: That's a More inflation. What a stupid son of a
9: bitch.
3: On Monday, when a Fox reporter
2: asked him a question about inflation, Mr. Biden fired off an insult.
7: That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch.
2: But the president was clearly frustrated that he was being peppered with questions about Ukraine at an economic event, and Ducey's question, even though it was on topic, clearly struck a nerve with the
4: president, Cecilia. Yeah. But
10: he appeared frustrated, saying he wanted to question, he wanted questions on the subject of the event, which was related to the economy. So Peter Ducey of Fox asked about inflation and got an insulting response back from the president. It's
11: not easy being president. I think President Biden's learning that uh, a new. Sure. Forgive me, it's sort of the elephant in the room. Um in the country we we're talking about last morning. Does the president regret saying what he said about Peter? Can you shed some light if you have any have had any conversations with him today about what happened last night?
0: well i would say what's most important and i it's peter sitting here so this is kind of a funny thing but uh the the president uh the president um called peter uh, and i he confirmed this so this is only why i'm speaking to this and if you have private conversations with the president i will assure you i'm not going to convey that on your behalf but peter spoke to this the president called him uh, he conveyed uh, to him that it was nothing personal man and also acknowledged that all of you are going to ask him a range of questions Uh, so i think that uh, speaks for itself uh, thank you, everyone. Hopefully I did that justice yes, uh, for a person familiar, a uh, person familiar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we only do on the record stuff here, Peter. Thanks, everyone. Have a good rest of your day.
2: OK, so the big the big story, the big sort of media story is Joe Biden being caught on a hot mic saying this to a reporter who is from Fox and was asking about inflation. Let's listen.
12: Will you
13: take
14: questions on inflation,
7: then? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you think inflation is a political... You. On? That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a
2: bitch. Little context, Brian Stelter, right? Mr. Ducey there is sort of a thorn in the side, often, of Jen Psaki, of President Biden. Uh, in the end, though, the president called him to apologize. Uh, and, and look... Ducey kind of handled it. He sort of laughed it off and and said this had happened. What did you make of that?
4: Well, certainly you see the smile on Biden's face. I don't think he's surprised this was caught on Mike. I think he knows what he was doing. Um, But no matter who the president is, whether it was Donald Trump saying Chuck Todd was an SOB or whether it's President Biden saying Steve Ducey, uh, Peter Ducey is an SOB, it's wrong no matter what. The best easiest thing to do in life is to be consistent, regardless of party, regardless of president, and just recognize when something is wrong, recognize it the president should be held to the highest standards. And so in this case, Biden was out of line. I think he knew it because he called Ducey right away to say sorry and try to put as water under the bridge. It's also not the biggest story in the world though, right? It's, I, well, that's why I'm glad you didn't lead with it. It's not the most important thing in the world. We know Fox is gonna milk it as if it is the most important thing in the world. It's one of these minor interesting moments that shows how the president really feels. And by the way, that is newsworthy. I think it is newsworthy when, when you hear the president and you, you feel how he actually uh, is thinking about Fox. The The bigger issue here, Brianna, I think, which you get at a lot, which is, how should Fox be treated and handled at this time in American life? Fox is not what it was 20 years ago. It's not what it was when Peter Ducey's dad, Steve, started at Fox. The network is much more hardcore, extreme and radicalized. Having a White House correspondent is different now than it was 20 years ago. So the Clinton White House had to make choices about how to handle Fox. The Biden White House has to make choices too. And they've mostly chosen to play footsie with Fox, appear on Fox sometimes, take questions from Doocy.
15: I think the president's right. You are a stupid. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, nobody has fact-checked him yet and said it's not true. No one's given Pinocchios for that one. No, but... After years of clips of the president and I kind of mixing it up on the campaign trail and during the transition and here at the White House, uh, within about an hour of that exchange, he called my cell phone and uh, he said, it's nothing personal, pal. And we... Went back and forth and we were talking about uh, just kind of moving moving forward and I made sure to tell him that I'm always going to try to ask something different than what everybody else is asking and uh, he said you've got to and that's a quote from the president so I'll keep doing it. Did he apologize? Uh, he cleared the air and I appreciated it. We had a nice call. He's, that's not an answer Did he apologize? That doesn't sound like an he apology. Said, he, he said it's nothing personal, pal. Oh, and I pal. told him that I okay, appreciated pal. him reaching out. Hey, hey Sean, uh the world is on the brink of, like, World War III right no, now I, uh, I with it. all this stuff going on. I appreciate <laughs> that the president took a couple minutes out this evening <laughs> while he was still at the this... desk to, to give me a call and clear at the At least air. he called and you pal. But, but you know what? I, I don't need anybody to apologize to me. Uh, he can call me whatever he wants as long as it gets him talking. And today, you know, uh, you played some of the bit with uh, Jen Psaki and I. I went in there with two pages of questions about crime. I actually still have them right here. They've been rolled up in my pocket. Uh, two pages of crime questions that I didn't get in at the press conference last week, that two-hour press conference. And so I'm in there, and I'm looking, okay, if he takes questions, what's it going to be? But he said, I'm not going to take questions about anything off topic. So I'm thinking, okay... Well, uh, the topic is inflation. Hey, hey, over here. Uh, and then it took like five minutes, but I later heard what he said. I think that's enough. That's enough. Come on, man. So we can right. move on, <laughs> we, we can now move forward. There'll be years, three oh, to seven years uh, of opportunities. To- Donald Trump
7: says he makes fun of people. He belittles people. He lies. I don't do any of those things. Take away our
9: gun. You're full of shit. All right. You're a damn liar, man. You're a lying, dog face pony soldier. Just
7: clap for that, you stupid
9: bastard. You're too old to go find Take thing. your AR, your AR-14s, and what? Okay, you're. this is not okay. Hold on, hold on, hey, let's
7: you don't on to me
16: this all right the There's a lot you. of guys.
7: No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. Let's
9: do push-ups together, man. Let's do. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want
7: to do. What do you think, huh? Are, are you a gentleman? What do you
17: say?
9: Uh, look, uh, look, here's the deal. Yeah. Wait, wait,
5: wait,
9: wait, wait. wait. <laughs> <Standard>. <laughs> why, wait, why? why, why,
3: why yeah,
12: no, right. You're getting nervous, man. But Biden quickly became agitated when Fallon didn't agree to support him in the caucuses. we got to stop
9: building and replacing
13: pipelines.
7: <inaudible> to go vote for somebody else. All right, thanks. So. We
5: should We should I did not expect to be told to leave, to go vote for somebody else, and then to be
12: lectured about. And then he presses on Fallon's chest, pokes him with a finger, and finally grabs his jacket with two hands. It was not appropriate interaction for anybody. I mean, if I'd done that to him, the security would have been all over me. <laughs> you, shush.
6: Shush. You know, my initial intent, intent in doing this was going to put out a large uh, block of all the times there were gnashing teeth over Trump. But I won't. Uh, this is... Uh, this is what we got across the board. It was okay. It's not that big a deal. Spectacle of President Biden lobbying an unintentionally amplified expletive at a reporter from Fox News turned out to be one of the most unlikely feel-good moments of the time in office. So we're behind it. We think it's fucking fantastic. Uh, Yamichi Alcinder, President Biden, the longest news conference in presidential history. Main News pushed back on critics, called out lies, took responsibility for the mistakes he believes he made, expressed a surprise at GOP, talked foreign policy, and didn't lash out at reporters. Quite a change. And then, of course, she's got nothing for that. Seth McFarlane, who should just stick to comedy. Caught on a hot mic, Peter Ducey says, What we're all thinking about Peter Ducey, Twitter shreds. This is a liberal site. Brian Seltzer, uh, a stupid son of a bitch on Thursday during a hot mic in the East Room in the White House. Deucey shouted, Do you think inflation is political? blah, 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 blah. The moment went viral online. Cable News' is Biden's temperament was discussed. In some cases, questioned. Seltzer quickly joined the conversation on Twitter after. So he, of course, in 2018, calling a journalist a son of a bitch is wrong when Trump was a candidate. It's even worse now because he jabbed at somebody. Seltzer's double standards. The rules don't apply to Dems or to Fox. There's always a tweet from Potato Man. Let the impeachment begin. Oh, wait. Biden did it this time. Thank you, Brian Seltzer, for showing solidarity for your fellow journalists and demonstrating your you uphold your principles regardless of party. Oh, wait. This was 2018. That was Glenn Greenwood. I mean, they're just fucking hypocrites. Uh, The least courageous person in the media, Brian Seltzer, instead of actually saying what he believes, just retweets what he's too cowardly to say himself. Of course, it'll probably be the lead story on Fox News for the next two days, turning it into a thing when it really is just a blimp and everybody brought it out. Then he got pissed because everybody was talking about it. Uh, this was from 2018. It's still true. Biden was wrong. call Ducey a son of a bitch. Press the right to hold president to high standards. Biden didn't berate the media like Trump. So the context for today is different. Oh really? Yeah, I don't think so. So by the end of the day, CNN had uh, put out talking points. Uh, Caitlin Collins. What a stupid son of a bitch, President Biden says audibly after a reporter asked about inflation being a political liability. It's a great asset, more inflation. Biden deadpanned. Seltzer, Biden deadpanned. DJ Judd, Biden deadpanned. And that's what they ran with. Kelly O'Donnell on Biden calling a reporter a stupid son of a bitch. He does not like when questions are asked about a subject other than the planned event. So it, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Since The Five is talking about yesterday's reliable sources, let me rewrap the segment they disliked. During the commercial break, Keith Campbell described it as a fear filter. That's a great way to put it. And Fox uses this fear filter on an array of stories, presenting things in the scariest possible way. And this is, once again, crisis Chirons. Let's let's play
4: it. Newsletter this week. It felt like Fox went up another notch this week when it came to how they described crime. And yes, there is a crime problem. Yeah. But the way it's described on Fox, you'd be afraid to leave your house.
18: Yeah, two two points, Brian. One, as Fox is describing uh, these cities as apocalyptic hellscapes, uh, their executives this week decided, they announced that they're gonna be holding two major events, one in New York City and one in Los Angeles over the next <laughs> few months. So right. that's one. The, uh, the executives obviously don't believe what they're selling to their audience. And, and two is, like you said, there is a kernel of truth to what they're saying. That, there always that violent, is. violent crime is on the rise. Um, I kind of think of it as By like, some metrics sure, in, some in some ways,
4: but, there are also some very scary sure. specific stories sure. that get a lot of attention.
18: It, it, I kind of think of it as a instagram filter brian you know you start with a real um, image and then you take the filter and you pump it up a, a thousand percent and what, what you're left with is is distorted it no longer reflects uh, reality uh, it started as an accurate portrayal of something but it, the end result is, is totally different it's no longer an accurate portrayal of reality and i think that's what fox's coverage uh, with crime really is yes there is an issue in some places um but what they're presenting to viewers is not accurate
4: Instagram filter, that's gonna stay with me. That's the perfect way to describe it. And then Catherine.
6: Do they even watch their network? I mean, seriously, do they even watch their fucking, Jim Acosta, I still have marks on my back from standing up to Trump. Hmm, here's his latest on his show.
7: Virginia's new governor is asking neighbors to tune in uh, excuse me, to turn in other neighbors, not for criminal activity. No, it all stems from the GOP's latest culture war obsession in office in uh, less than two weeks. And Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin has already set up an email for parents to report teachers for teaching, quote, divisive subjects specifically about his concerns over race and history. We're going to
5: get critical race theory and other devices, inherently divisive teaching practices out of the schools
7: And this tactic of pitting citizen against citizen is not just happening in virginia recall the anti-abortion law in texas that the supreme court has allowed to remain in effect it allows anyone to sue another person for helping someone seek an abortion in the state in fact it seems republican leaders have gone all in on dividing the country in many uh molly um you know I, i seem to remember glenn youngkin campaigning in a fleece vest in virginia he was running as a different kind of republican i was told there was going to be a vest Uh, not a Soviet-style police state, across the Potomac from Washington.
0: Yeah, it's really weird. He was elected. You know, he wouldn't let Trump come and campaign with him. He sort of pretended to be this kind of non-Trumpy Trump. And then as soon as he got in there, he started, you know, taking away masking in Virginia public schools. He started with these uh, teacher hotlines where you can rat out your teacher.
6: I mean, he's really... That Goomba loses to Inspector freaking Gadget. 299,000 people watched him. Their viewership is so bad <clears throat> that everybody beat him. And then before we hit to the money shot of what happened to CNN this week that you all know, but I got to play. The day before Radar Online publica- you know, published an article showing that Zuckerberg was fucking his other executive and those in the know believe it's all a Cuomo thing because Cuomo wants his goddamn money. don't wants his damn money. CNN goes after him. Brian Seltzer in his newsletter. And then the worm turns.
10: We have news now to report involving our network. CNN president Jeff Zucker has just resigned after disclosing a consensual relationship with a colleague. Jeff has led our company, led CNN for the last nine years. Joining me now is CNN chief media correspondent, host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter. Brian, what more do you have?
4: As you said, Kate, Zucker's been a larger-than-life figure at this news organization for nearly a decade, a pioneering figure, and now his resignation is stunning this newsroom and the news industry. Let me read you his memo in full and then put it into context for the viewers. He wrote to staffers a few minutes ago, quote, as part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, Cuomo, of course, fired last month, Zucker says, I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I have worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledged the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I am resigning today. Zucker continues in the memo here. I came to CNN on January 28, 2013. Together we had nine great years. I certainly wish my tenure here had ended differently, but it was an amazing run and I have loved every minute. I am grateful to the thousands of incredibly talented CNN and Turner Sports employees who helped make this such a joy for me and such a success for all of us. I wish each of you nothing but the best in the years ahead. Uh, That memo from Jeff Zucker a few minutes ago, uh, a a stunner for the CNN newsroom and for Turner Sports, which he also oversaw in recent years. Now, the head of Warner Media, Jason Kylar, has just announced uh, that he will be announcing an interim leadership plan shortly. In other words, he's not naming a new boss right away. That tells you this did happen very suddenly. The uh, the key detail not included in the Zucker memo is the name of his colleague. He refers to a consensual relationship with his closest colleague. Uh, that colleague is Allison Gullist, who is the head of marketing and communications for CNN and for Turner Sports. She has worked with Zucker for decades. They were together at NBC at the Today Show in the 90s, then at NBC Universal, and now at CNN and Warner Media. According to this memo, uh, um, according to the memo here, it was a consensual relationship that evolved in recent years, and that they and that they. and he did not disclose it, and thus, that's why he's resigning. I've just received, Kate, while we're speaking here, a a statement from Allison Gullist as well. As I said, Gullist, the top marketing executive for CNN, she's remaining with the company, and here's what she says, quote, Jeff and I have been close friends and professional partners for over 20 years. Recently, our relationship changed during COVID. I regret that we didn't disclose it at the right time. Uh, Gullis going on to say, I'm incredibly proud of my time at CNN and look forward to continuing the great work we do every day. So this is a, a scenario where uh, you have people uh, who are working together for a long time. Uh, then they start a personal relationship. And because they're both acknowledging they did not disclose it at the time, Zucker's saying he should have disclosed it right away. That is why he says he's resigned effective immediately. Kate, we both know uh, he, uh, Jeff Zucker has been the rock for this organization. The last few days, he has not been on the morning editorial calls. Uh, some people even noticed and wondered uh, if something was amiss. I don't think anybody uh, saw this coming this morning, an announcement like this. But I think if Zucker was on that call this morning, I know what he'd say. He'd say, what's important at CNN is not the person at the top, it's the, the team we all play for. It's CNN as an organization. This news operation so much bigger than any single person. And so the news goes on, but now without the top executive.
10: Yep keep reporting the news, that's what he would say. Brian, thanks so much, really appreciate thanks. it. All right.
3: Well also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe a city. Well, no, no it's Jews about a different but, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not it's June, not about and, ideal and, and race. It's, and and but these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, how do have we have to black people see them, them as white? And they but you're have to missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. The yeah. minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white cuz black, white, Jews, uh it's ha- everybody eats each other. So is it, if you're uncomfortable, if you hear about mouse, should you be worried? Should, should your child say, oh my God, I, I wonder if that's me. No, that's not what they're gonna say. They're gonna say, I don't wanna be like that. Well, hopefully. I well, want to be cool. Yeah. And well, yeah. Most kids, most kids, they they don't want to be cruel. No, they don't. And we're living in a, you know, we're living in an era where people are are comparing vaccine cards to the yellow stars, where people are comparing mm-hmm. vaccinations to what Anne Frank yeah. went through. Yeah. So it is necessary for kids to learn about. about. To, to the learn way, way, about man's what? inhumanity to man, however it exposes itself. I have to cut you off. I just want to, to say fast. that mouse was banned and it flew to the top 20 of Amazon's rules last
5: week, yeah. Yes. Well, felt- but anti-Semitism also infects our politics in more subtle ways. Online conspiracy theories like QAnon tapped into anti-Semitic themes, from blood libel accusations to the belief that sinister groups of elites are secretly running the world. That's in addition to the negative obsessions with George Soros parroted by folks at Fox News, or Marjorie Taylor Greene's belief that Jewish space lasers cause wildfires. I Amid mean, this rising tide of hate and absurdity, the repeated Nazi comparisons directed by Republicans at COVID vaccine efforts, it sometimes kind can of be hard to know whether to laugh or cry. All of this time, though, comes at a time of increased fatalities from domestic violent extremist incidents and things like the recent bomb threats directed at historically black colleges and universities. And it's precisely because the haters seem so emboldened these days that it's essential to distinguish between people who use hate as a core part of their identity politics and people who make honest mistakes. Which brings me to Whoopi Goldberg, who was suspended for two weeks from The View for saying that the Holocaust was not a matter of race. Now, it seems clear that she was trying to distinguish between America's legacy of anti-black racism and the religious and ethnic prejudice that led to the Nazis to murder some 6 million Jewish people. She apparently didn't appreciate that Nazis often called Jewish people a separate race, and she ignored one of the basic rules of civil debate. There are no comparisons to the Holocaust. But here's the critical point. Whoopi Goldberg was not indulging in anti-Jewish hate. She had no repeated history of making anti-Semitic comments. In fact, quite the opposite. And when it became clear that her comments had crossed the line, she apologized repeatedly and sincerely. As ADL Jonathan Greenblatt explained on CNN, he didn't think that clumsy phrasing should be considered an irredeemable civic sin. So what are the takeaways? Well, first, these viruses of group hate will only be defeated when we all take them as a personal insult, not to our tribal identity, but to our common humanity. Second, that some historic tragedies are not like anything else. The Holocaust is the Holocaust, just as slavery is slavery. Third, and finally, in order to build the broadest possible coalition to confront bigotry, we need to distinguish between poorly chosen words and those that are repeatedly designed to promote division and hate.
14: Right now, President Biden is in the air. He is on his way to New York City in this trip is all about his plan to cut back on gun violence in cities across this country. New York City saw a nearly 38% increase in all crime in January compared to the same period last year. NBC's White House correspondent Mike Mimley is in New York. He's here in the Big Apple. Mr. Mimley, I'll start with you there. Uh, First of all, welcome back to New York. The White House uh, sharing some new details sharing some details about this gun violence reduction strategy, as it's being called. Uh, Going to be a big part of messaging, heading into the midterm elections. Mike, what what do we know about what the president plans to say today? Well, Craig, there are really
17: three pillars to the president's crime strategy that he's eager to talk about here in New York today. First is what you mentioned, not just uh, increasing funding for police, but really doing everything that they can to bolster resources for law enforcement across the board. The second has to deal with trying to tackle some of the root causes of, of crime. That's in community intervention programs, rehab programs for formerly incarcerated individuals. And then he's going to be joined by the Attorney General Merrick Garland here to focus on some of the new announcements coming out of the Justice Department and efforts that they're taking uh, to try to ramp up enforcement, especially of ghost guns, as you can probably hear some of the, the circus around me here, Craig. What the president understands, as you can tell from the charge rhetoric behind me, is this is going to be a really big issue in the midterm elections. And what the president is eager to try to do is model behavior for many in his party. This is a president who is going to be more through his uh, uh, optics today than through the substance of what they're announcing, demonstrating to Democrats how to really run on this issue in the midterm
14: elections, Craig. Mike memelay uh, for us there. Mike, thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Again, welcome back. We are
7: not fake news, we are real news.
2: Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Some rioters
4: were planning to
2: murder lawmakers. What
4: does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? That Kavanaugh aided and abetted in the
7: commission of a gang rape. But
5: it does look like that young man to me is taunting the Native American Vietnam vet. And he's in his face. When you start
19: whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips. There is no evidence
15: of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden.
4: Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. A widely held conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory.
9: Dr. Fauci,
7: thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. We know the science.
10: We know that masks work.
5: This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is now a
7: pandemic of choice.
10: You can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family.
7: Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he's says he been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country. Disturbing video last night showed Jacob Blake, unarmed, being shot by police. Obviously, we do it overseas against our adversaries, but we don't spy on Americans.
4: If you want to believe the NSA is reading your favorite TV star's emails, go right ahead. He claims it's true. The NSA denies it, of course. There is no one more
20: knowledgeable, more decent, more honest. Uh, more committed to the interests of America than John Brennan. The biggest terror threat in this country comes from radicals on the far right, primarily white men.
7: Domestic terrorism seems to be starting to spread virally And the way that we saw that happen overseas with isis
2: violence has erupted during anti-lockdown
21: protests what you are seeing now these images came and come in stark contrast to
18: what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in kenosha and into the early evening which were largely peaceful demonstrations
7: if only we had a vaccine against bs we're not here to spin things or Uh, you know, color things a certain way. We're here to give the people reliable, accurate information on a daily basis. That's why we all come into work every day.
22: It's not just CNN. It's not
6: just CNN. It's all of them. You can't be this glaringly biased and think people aren't gonna see. But I don't think what I just played really sums it up. I think those that are in tune, those that are watching the news, these next two sound bites, I think it red-pilled a fuck ton of people.
0: If you look at Fox on a daily basis, I mean, do you remember the four boxes that, you ha- that we had on all the TVs, right? Mm-hmm. Which is on my TV right now. So right now, just to give you a sense, so CNN, Pentagon, as many as eighty five hundred U.S. troops on heightened alert. Okay, true. Same on MSNBC. CNBC is doing their own thing about the market, and then on Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what what does that even mean, right? Um, so there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. What's scary about it is a lot of people watch that.
14: What a mouthful there. Um so you said actions such as these suggest otherwise suggest meaning that they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of op- what action are you talking about one the actions i've just pointed to uh the what fact, action
16: what? the the fact that russia continues to engage uh in disinformation
14: well, uh campaigns. You, know, you made an allegation that they might do that have they actually done it
16: uh what we know matt is what we what i have just said that they have engaged in this activity well, uh, in this planning in, well, activity but activity? but let me let me because, because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public you'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago sorry
14: you made, made, made what report
16: public if you in, let me finish i will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public uh we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has well, already taken. It's
14: an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to to to, to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they? I mean, this is like crisis actors, really. This is like Alex Jones territory. You're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making?
16: Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information okay. that we have declassified. I think you well, know— Okay,
14: well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information?
16: It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well,
14: where is it? Where is the declassified information?
16: I just delivered it.
14: No, you made a series of allegations and would statements. Would you Would you
16: like us to print out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for no, yourself. That's
14: not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you like, Matt? I, I, I would like to see some proof that you that 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 that, that you can show that that. Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that, that, that you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. a I long know that time. was my point. As you a, you have you, know, you, you, know. You,
16: you have been doing this for quite a while. You I know had. that when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so WMDs and, and, and in a means. We, so, we do so. We do so with an eye like to that, protecting that sources and methods. Is not
14: going to fall. I, I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying?
16: Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have declassified. It's de-class- not the
14: format, it's the content.
16: I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you, not that you I'm sorry like you are forces. doubting the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I. What I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it, Clear as day, to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext.
14: Yeah, but you don't have any, any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying, we think we, we, we have information the Russians may do this but you won't tell us what the information well, is that, and then when when, that, when you're that, asked
16: that, that is the idea behind when, deterrence Matt. When, that when, is the idea behind asked, deterrence and when it is our hope that the russians don't go what forward the with this is
14: you say i just gave it to you but that, that's not what you you seem not, not to understand you seem not to no, no, understand no, no, the man, idea man, of deterrence we <laughs> are trying seem to deter
16: the russians from moving forward with this type of activity that is why we're making it public today if the russians don't go forward with this that is not to Uh, ipso facto an indication that they never had
14: plans to do so. Uh, But then it's unprovable. (laughs) My God, what is the evidence that you have that suggests that that, that the Russians are even planning this? I mean, I'm not saying that they're not, but you just come out and say this and expect us to, to, to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true. Other than when I ask, or what anyone else asked, what's the information? You said, well, I just gave it to you, which was just you making a statement.
16: Matt, you said yourself, you've been in this business for quite a long time. You know that when we make information, uh, intelligence information public, we do so uh, in, a, in a way that protects sensitive sources and methods. You also know that we do so, we declassify information only when we're confident in that information. You if you doubt if, information. you doubt if you doubt the credibility of the US government, of the British government, uh, of other governments and want to uh you know find uh solace and in information that uh the solace? russians are putting
14: out uh that is uh, <laughs> that is for to, you to do i'm not asking what, what the russian government is putting out and, and what, do you mean, what is it supposed to be because u.s officials are describing
16: uh very specific scenes but do they actually have a video the the fact that we are able to go into such great detail uh obviously i'm not going to spell out what is in our possession but i will leave uh, I will leave it to you. Uh, I will leave that to your uh, to your judgment. It, to your imagination. It, it, there are no facts yeah,
14: that, that you've spelled in the out. In
21: coming days, do you have evidence that this was intended to come out in the coming days?
16: We've we've said been for some time now that the Russians uh, have positioned forces. Uh, they have undertaken preparations that, if Putin decides to move forward with an invasion, uh, they're positioned to do so. They are poised to do so in the coming days. I mean, is that a timeline that you? And the emotional moment when we heard from the rookie officer's young wife. Here's ABC's Phil Lipoff tonight.
11: Shoulder to shoulder, they pack St. Patrick's Cathedral to pay respects to 22 year old NYPD officer Jason Rivera.
1: I would say good morning to you all,
2: but in fact, it's the worst morning ever.
11: Officer Rivera's young widow, Dominique, posting photos of the couple, saying, this is the heaviest my heart has ever been. They met in elementary school, married for four months. Today, describing the horror of being called to the hospital.
2: I said to you, wake up,
1: baby. I'm here. The little bit of hope I had that you would come back to life
2: just to say goodbye or say I love you one more time had left. I was lost. I'm still lost.
11: Outside, snow falling as a sea of blue lined Fifth Avenue. Just shows that we all, you know, love each other and it's a truly a brotherhood. Rivera and his partner, Wilbert Mora, were shot and killed on a domestic violence call. Rivera posthumously promoted to detective, his wife with a message for her husband.
10: And although you won't be here anymore, I want you to live through me.
7: And she's angry with the new Manhattan district attorney among the mourners whose memo called for the relaxed prosecution of some gun possession cases. He's since clarified his stance.
10: I hope he's watching you speak through me right now.
1: <laughs> I'm sure all of our blue family is tired too. But I promise. We promise.
6: All right, I misspoke three. You you sit and watch Peppermint fucking patty yuck it up about crime. Just yuck it up. It's all fun and games. When every American is being affected by it. Even here where I live, crime's up. It's it's out of control. It's a revolving door. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You're back on the street. And then the State Department, and believe you me, a lot of people saw that soundbite. And the way that guy, and I know it's a long soundbite, but the way he acted, this was the stuff we said George Bush was bad for, and WMDs, and the same people who said Bush lied, people died, are now just a, I said it, fuck off. And then the slain officer's wife. I played this the the bit of how many people every news covered that. You you have people that believe they don't have to define anything. And I think this is the best one. Scotus 76% are not for just a black person. They know it's fucking racist. But you couldn't hear it in the Media Jerk Off of the Week. The media, they believe in racism.
22: I love politics. The Media Jerk Off of the Week.
18: Uh, nonetheless, I, I confess I'm a little uncomfortable at fronting that identity, putting that identity up front. And I think universities have learned that as they seek diversity, they should treat the whole person. And so naming it that way and putting those identity issues up front, to me, it's it's a matter of, of uh, articulation. But I, I would like to emphasize, I would like to think the part of the person that's up front is their wisdom, their compassion, their care, and that they are treated as a whole person. And so I I confess, I'm a little uncomfortable with the way Joe Biden used that pledge during the campaign. Though I support the idea of the pledge,
10: Jonathan, would it be better for the president to have said the the first thing that matters is wisdom?
20: Um, Well, that's what he said in his um, in his remarks yesterday. We have to understand something that for far too long in this country. you know, qualifications and wisdom and everything were never things that were, or or ideas or characteristics that were automatically uh, ascribed to someone who was not white and certainly someone who was not white and male. And, you know, we have seen on the court that, you know, diversity has not been a thing on the court. Um, Up until recently, we have an African-American justice we have several women justices, we have a Latina justice, uh, and pretty soon we will have a black woman justice. And it says something, you can, focus on, you can focus on the race, but how about we focus on the experience the person brings to the bench because of who they are, where, where they're from, their lived experience. And also the black woman who's going to be on the bench Will probably be more impressive, have more qualifications, be more brilliant than the folks who have come in before her, precisely because she has had to be all those things because people used her race to to downgrade and, um, and downgrade and belittle and. Ellie,
0: you wrote a great piece in The Nation, and you highlighted the fact that Joe Biden really does have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to a nominee uh, on the Supreme Court comprised of black women. Um, Curious your thoughts on this process and what you think the administration should prioritize. Yeah,
19: look, the person that they pick will be immensely qualified, immaculately qualified. And really what Republicans have to answer for me is why haven't these people been on their lists? Right. If they're so they're so interested in finding the best possible person, regardless of race, color or creed, regardless of gender, then tell me why didn't you guys vet Sherilyn Eiffel, who has the same qualifications as Thurgood Marshall once did when he became the first black man on the Supreme Court. Why didn't you vet Kintaji Brown Jackson? She was on the shortlist for the Merrick Garland appointment. She's a Harvard educated lawyer who's been the head of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Aren't you guys like to be tough on crime sometimes? no no see because these people will not give non-white non-males a shot when they have their time um in power right i'm very much on the in terms of like who should he i'm very much on the i'm the room for everybody black like i don't i'm not picking through my favorites i'm not <laughs> choosing between much any because here's the thing and this is important because whoever he picks we know that they will be attacked in the most scurrilous trifling yeah ways right and i am sick i am sick and tired of people being like oh i like that woman but not i would vote for a woman but not that woman i don't want to hear anything about that i don't want to hear like oh he nominated leandra krueger but if he i don't support her but if he had nominated oprah i would have been right there for, no no right. whoever he nominates i am going to you know lay down on the tracks to defend um and i hope that a lot of people will join me in that i don't really want to get into like which qualifications matter right. more. To-
1: I wonder what the sort of consternation is, if the Republican Party is capable of any, about having the court be front and center all year. I mean, I think you know this well, Nicole, the Republican Party is often not in lockstep with what polls show voters want. And that's true of abortion, as you said, but that's also true of something like vaccine and mask mandates. Polls and focus groups show that Americans in particular aren't as, uh, you know, in opposition to these things as the Republican Party continues to be. And I think that that is something that they don't care about because they know that they can use the Supreme Court to beef up this larger narrative around the culture wars. It doesn't matter necessarily what the polls show about, you know, support for abortion or Roe v. Wade being constitutional law. Republicans know how to strike a nerve in accord with their voters and know that voters can often be emotional instead of rational when it comes to voting or telling a pollster how they feel about things. And so I think that while Democrats feel that they have polling and legislation and policy ideas on their side, they know that Republicans are better at controlling the narrative in spite of those things. And I think that's what Republicans are going to continue to lean on.
4: And I can see this kind of conflict right now uh, with a looming Supreme Court confirmation battle. I guess I could call it a confirmation process. Maybe I should, but I default to the word battle. Because that's the way it's portrayed in the press. And look, maybe it won't really be a battle. Uh, Some conservative activists are saying they're not planning to go scorched earth against President Biden's nominee to replace Justice uh, Stephen Breyer, since uh, whoever the nominee is will not change the balance of the court. But let's be honest. Fox wants a fight. Right-wing radio and TV wants a fight. They need a fight over the Supreme Court. They're already starting a fight that's rooted in white identity politics. All the Fox's primetime shows are outraged that Biden has committed to nominating a justice who is black and female.
7: What matters, Joe Biden explained, is sex and skin color is beyond extremely divisive. Uh, It may even be illegal. Rubber stamp justice.
4: It's a state of permanent political warfare. But does it have to be? You can't do
6: that. I don't care how woke you think America is. You can't. And they're going to blame the GOP. They're going to try their same stuff. Foxes fights over SCOTUS rooted in white identity politics. White identity politics. You're the identity politics people. You are. That's why you're hiring a black lady just because she's black and she has a vagina. If you could have found a woman with a dick who was black, that would have been the pick. Because it's all you guys care about. The whole world is falling down. And this is what the media went with this week. It's all they care about. He's going to get a black lady in SCOTUS. Well, unfortunately, one of the Dems is now super sick, like non-COVID, So they better hope that uh, those rhinos back him up, which they probably will, because he's going to go with the South Carolina lady. And, of course, Lindsey Graham is going to jump right on it. I I mean, when you look at what's going on, I'm not even covering this big. GoFundMe doing that, which they now rescinded. They've gone back on it. My God. So a trucker convoy, Trudeau goes into hiding in America because of those evil people were coming towards him. And a GoFundMe comes up. So you just take the money. You just take the money. And you're just going to reappropriate it to whoever the fuck you want, like one-legged, tranny black kids or some shit. America is seeing it. They're seeing everything now. They don't have to go to the media. All you have to do is go online and see videos like this.
12: Meanwhile, we have been witnessing our own mass releases of illegal immigrants here in the RGV this week. This is video we shot yesterday in Brownsville, where we saw well over 50 single adult male illegal immigrants just dropped off by ICE uh, near a parking garage in the city and rel- public. bus terminal. Many of those men had ankle monitors on. Several of them were hiding their faces uh, from our cameras. An ICE agent came forward to me uh, who's been involved in mass releases and told me this has been discreetly going on since last spring. He told me that ICE has been releasing migrants with misdemeanor criminal records, including assault, DUI, drug possession, and illegal re-entry. I reached out to ICE about that this morning. They did not deny it. They told me all releases are done on an individual case-by-case basis and they consider all factors when doing so. And back out here live, I also asked that ICE agent, are U.S. taxpayers footing the bill for migrant travel. He told me they work with NGOs. The NGOs will ask the families of those migrants to please provide an address and buy them a bus ticket or a plane ticket to a city of their choosing. If that doesn't happen, the NGO will buy the ticket themselves, then bill the federal government for reimbursement. That agent went on to tell me that he feels the Biden administration has turned ICE ERO into an unofficial travel coordination agency and morale has never been lower. there's a lot more to
5: learn on this. Bill Malusian, thanks, La Jolla, Texas,
7: today. Dana. Exclusive audio by town hall's Julio Rosas of DHS secretary, this is Mayorkas, and a recent meeting with Border Patrol in the Yuma sector. It didn't go particularly well. Now Julio's reporting that one agent even turned his back on the secretary amid his total disregard for the rule of law. Take a listen to this.
16: Every time something important comes here, uh, we rush out. We
21: have 50 more buses that come in, and they take as many people out here as they can. You guys keep saying you want to see how it really is down here. Why do we keep sending as many people out of here as we can before they get here? It's not really showing what it is. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure I can follow. Sorry. So, <laughs> in TPC, the whole area back here, before you come down, before anybody comes down, a senator, it doesn't matter. They... Buzz as
22: many people out of here as they can to oh. whatever other sector. It may appear that people are trying to showcase that everyday country story. We know best. I know
20: better. The commitment remains and we'll keep fighting. And let me let me just say, you can turn your back on me, but I'll never turn your back my back
9: on you. You did the day you were appointed.
7: Secretary Mayorkas' office told us in a statement, in part, quote, Secretary Mayorkas welcomes candor during these conversations, appreciates and respects the opinions of each member of the
6: CBP workforce. First and foremost, understand we're paying for all this. We all know that. We're, We're paying for this shit as he tries to dilute the electorate so that he never loses elections. But they found fucking Syrians down there. You know, we talk about, you know, all the drugs and the human trafficking. But how many fuckheads got in here while Biden, Biden opened up the border? We don't even know. We just know we had two million encounters last year. That doesn't count for everybody that got across. That's just the people they apprehended and released into the interior of the country. I mean, really think about that. That's an insane amount of people. Some statistic has put they only get about 60%. So that's another million motherfuckers that came across. Eh, we don't care. And then, of course, the media just leaked them finally pushing back at Mayorkas, who should have been fired ages ago. Ages. I mean, it's not his fault, it's, it's fucking Biden's, but so for some levity, I, I got to play this.
23: Hello, it's Nancy. Thank you for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you, our VIPs, our volunteers in politics, and our ongoing engagement for the people. Thank you for being a constant source of new, fresh ideas and political activism to help Democrats deliver and to defend democracy. Thank you for giving me the privilege to represent our city and our San Francisco values in the Congress, human rights, reproductive justice, LGBTQ equality, respect for immigrants, and care for each other. When people ask me what are the three most important issues facing the Congress, I always say the same thing. Our children, our children, our children. Their health, their education, the housing and economic security of their families, a clean, safe environment in which they can thrive, and a world at peace and where they are all welcome and in which they can reach their fulfillment. That is my why, why I am in Congress for the children. This is my story and this is my song. As you hear me say, when you're in the arena, You have to be able to take a punch or throw a punch for the children. In terms of health, my first words on the floor of the House were to fight against HIV AIDS, to fight the disease and discrimination. Working together, we passed the Affordable Care Act, strengthened Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, lower prescription drug prices, and now are fighting COVID with equity. And the climate is not an issue. Education, the economy, and the environment are all part of how we address the climate crisis, creating good-paying, green union jobs, affordable housing, clean energy, infrastructure, transportation justice, and education, educating the next generation to succeed in safe schools with 21st century skills. Our safe communities require gun violence prevention, addressing the root causes of crime, and supporting law enforcement. With justice in policing. Our vision for a world of peace requires a strong democracy at home as an example to the world. We are grateful to our men, women in uniform, veterans, and military families, and honor their sacrifice with our insistence on securing voting rights, an end to big, dark money in politics, and amplifying the voice of the grassroots. While we've made progress, much more needs to be done to improve people's lives. Our democracy is at risk because of assaults on the truth, the assault on the U.S. Capitol, and the state-by-state assault on voting rights. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake than our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize, we organize. And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. I would be greatly honored by it.
6: And I don't know what's more faker. Her face or that whole tone to that whole thing. That's just a fucking nightmare. Who the fuck votes for that lady? Seriously, who votes for her? I, I what? But with all the world falling apart, because this is a short show today. I know a lot of sound bites, but I'm just recovering and I gotta go take care of my wife who's about to wake up and get her some chicken soup in her body because she hasn't eaten anything in two days, so she's not gonna get healthy. January 6th will not abate. So here's some pushback And our This Is
22: America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This
3: is America.
11: Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the Worst Soundbite! When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says...
4: This is America. 2021!
2: think that it can be debated whether or not mouse is appropriate for eighth graders. I I think that that that's okay. Maybe it should be reserved for high schoolers. But the problem is, is that this isn't a one-off. This isn't an isolated incident. I understand that you're seeing, I think, on a daily basis, requests and demands censorship. And Congressman, one more thing, one more sneering criticism that the right likes to bandy about are snowflakes, people whose feelings are so easily wounded. And this bill that you just talked about, the Ron DeSantis discomfort bill, as it's called, let me just read you a portion of it. It bans public schools and private businesses from making people feel discomfort or guilt based on race, sex, or nationality. I mean, this is, it's so strange, I think, as you point out, Congressman, that this is coming from a a Ron DeSantis. And I don't even understand, frankly, practically how it can work. How are you ever supposed to shield your children in school from any discomfort?
5: Alison, it's the most mystifying thing, but again, it's, I talk to these people every day, Republican voters every day, and they want DeSantis to do this stuff. They want Trump to shut down CNN or do whatever. It's, It's, they want a dictator. They want a strong man to remove things that make them uncomfortable or things they don't like. This is really scary though, Allison. I mean, 1.5 million children died in the Holocaust and these people don't believe American children should- It
9: seems to be, and tell me this is right and what you can share, that it looks like they're building the infrastructure to keep a military there and to logistically be able to supply it, doing more than military games. Is that- well. how-
22: well, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in what we call unambiguous intelligence indicators, okay. uh, because I've seen a few in my time. Most of the time, you see big threats, and those big threats have no legs. A good example is a historical model: 1990. You know, uh, 1990, Iraq threatens Kuwait, moves 125,000 soldiers onto the border, but, you know. And when they did that, they had no logistics tail. They had no command and control structure. Uh, They had no ammunition. And when we started suddenly realizing this game was on is when millions of metric tons of ammunition started moving out of every weapon depot there and logistics started bringing down food, water, and then the commanders started uh, appearing in their battle commands out in the field. That was unambiguous. We knew an invasion was coming and it was not going to stop same thing here putin may have started this as a test right to see if joe biden would fold almost immediately you have to see another thing putin also understands the opportunity of having a republican um you know giving the republicans ammunition to topple the american government this november and i don't say that lightly if the republicans win power this november that's it. The American experiment is over. It is the basis for autocracy. They, you know, they'll follow through with their threat to make Trump Speaker of the House and use that as a springboard to make him president. And then there will be in the United States. Putin understands that by giving Biden this crisis, he gets the Republicans like Tucker Carlson and all of these other people who is acting as a propagandist for Putin. I saw the
9: January 6th committee, you're going to have public hearings coming up at some point this year. I'm not sure if you, if there's any schedule that we don't know about, or is there a time frame? And is there any sense of what we might expect to see, like the type of witnesses that you might put on in these public hearings? Well, you know, I'd hoped it would happen in March, I think, because of all the obstruction and roadblocks thrown up by the entourage right around Donald Trump. You know, Mark Meadows, who's kind of doing the hokey pokey, one foot in, one foot out. Um, Steve Bannon, um, Roger Stone, it's going to be later in the spring, April or May, more likely, but um, I, you know, I think these could be um, the most important hearings in American history, I mean, certainly up there with the Watergate hearings. I hope that we will do them during prime time. I hope you, we will see them every single day so we can tell a complete story to the American people about how this took place. It's obviously enormously complex. but people are following it closely. And again, the vast majority of Americans reject it. And the vast majority of Americans who we've approached as witnesses have testified. So most people, including people who participated, are cooperating and they understand that they've got, you know, not just a a legal obligation, but a civic obligation to help us figure out what happened. And it's only when you get right to that kind of bullseye core right around Donald Trump and, Uh, his innermost confidence that people think they're somehow above the law and can just give the finger to the U.S. Congress. So the way you envision it would be, it wouldn't be like, you had the first hearings we saw were with the Capitol Police, and that was months ago. So this would be more lining up a bunch of nights in a row as opposed to one hearing and then coming back three weeks later and having another. Yeah, it would not be episodic. Um, We want to tell the whole story. Uh, We will, you know, I I felt very strongly that we go to the police officers First, that was my great frustration about the Senate trial, that we weren't able to have them come and tell the story of what had happened. And we wanted to uh, shock the public into remembrance of what this was about. I mean, this was a violent assault on American democracy, a riot surrounding an insurrection, surrounding a coup. And it was our officers who stood between us and losing it all. Um, So there were a lot of heroes.
21: The media are lying to you about elections, and they have been for about a year now. The media's big lie boils down to a simple two-word phrase.
23: A fresh push on voting rights legislation. Democrats
21: are forcing a Senate vote on voting
16: rights.
23: Call to action to protect voting rights. Voting rights showdown.
21: The showdown over voting rights. The
3: big lie's corrosive effect on voting rights.
21: This is a lie. Not a single election measure enacted over the past year has taken away any law-abiding citizen's right to vote. It's not happening. It's a lie. Let's break down why this is wrong. A right is something that the government is forced to permit its citizens to do. The right to vote means that the government has to allow all law-abiding citizens in this country to vote. Out of all the election reforms passed by red states over the past year, the ones that have the media all up in arms about voting rights, none of them remove the right to vote from a single law-abiding citizen. You could spend the rest of your life Googling a single person who is stripped of their right to vote by these laws. When the media say, Rolling back voter rights, they're lying to you. The logic of the media's big lie goes like this. Any law which makes voting even slightly less convenient is a deliberate attack on the right to vote. Let's give that logic a test drive. Take a look at any given election law and then ask, does this make voting more or less convenient? If it makes it more convenient, it's a good law. If not, it's a bad law. Requiring someone to prove their identity before they can vote? Bad law. No more dropping ballots in unguarded boxes on the sidewalk? Bad law. Expecting people to vote on election day? Bad law. No unauthorized ballot harvesting? Terrible. I'm gonna repeat myself, because it's important. None of that is an infringement on anybody's rights. These are all real examples, by the way, of provisions that the media freaked out over. They're literally the measures that the media point to when they scream about voting
9: rights.
1: You might have heard about some case somewhere where a person wasn't... Holly, what are we learning about President Biden's call with Ukraine's president today? Well, Nora, a source tells CBS News tonight that Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, asked the U.S. to dial back its rhetoric on an imminent invasion because he does not want panic here in Ukraine.
4: President Biden called Ukraine's president Zelensky, who's receiving U.S.
5: weapons. But President Biden has said repeatedly no American troops are heading his way. On the call, President Biden pledged additional economic
7: support.
9: David, President Biden speaking to President Zelensky of Ukraine tonight, reaffirming America's uh, support, willingness to respond decisively if Russia invades Ukraine. Although we do know the two presidents have very different views on how likely that is. And I have to say tonight, after a long few weeks of diplomacy, there's no sign this crisis is easing.
6: I want to start right there. Do you remember we... Folks, it's like COVID. It's a thing that just cracks me up about the media and how fucking crazy they are. (laughs) Not COVID. Allergies, actually. Today is the first day I've had allergies, which is really cool. That's a better booger. Anyway. Anyway. COVID, if you talked about Wuhan, China, you were banned. If you talked about lab leaks, you were banned. If you said the vaccines don't work, you were banned. If you said anything about anything, you were banned and you were chastised. If you don't want to wear a mask, you were banned. And a large portion of the electorate were called Nazis because they didn't believe the election was on the up and up. We haven't even had the election and these two fucking asshats. I've already questioned it, because they know they're going to lose. They, they just know they're going to lose. Jonathan Turley had a great, great article. The other big lie, Democrats fueled doubts over the legitimacy of the coming election. Napoleon Bonaparte once observed that history is set of lies agreed upon. The problem today is that there's a little agreement on which, what the lies mean when lies aptitude to attribute to one party are being used by the other party to achieve the same goal. For months, Biden, Democratic politicians and the media have hammered away at Trump's big lie of the 2020 election. They insist that former President Trump, again months before the election, plant a false narrative that change, changes in election laws are part of an effort to steal the election. However, in the last few weeks, Biden and others are pushing their own big lie, in quote, that state election laws are now being changed to steal the 2022-2024 elections. What is most striking is how these claims are detached from the actual laws themselves, the power of this claim being based entirely upon its reputation rather than its foundation. After the 2020 election, some of us expressed skepticism over the claims of widespread fraud, but waited to see the evidence presented in court. The evidence never materialized, and when I predicted an effort to challenge the electoral vote two days after the election, I wrote that calls to challenge the certification of election were unfounded, factually and legally. Now it's the Democrats and some of the media are declaring a plot to steal the 2024 election due to electoral changes in red states. The changes are being used as an excuse to federalize election in the United States and an area that has been largely left to the states. Indeed, these laws are portrayed as such as an attack on democracy itself. Biden embraced the rage politics that fueled the hysteria surrounding these laws. Last week, CNN White House correspondent Stephen Collinson denounced a nationwide effort by GOP-run states to make it harder to cast ballots and easier to steal elections. The statement was telling, In responding to Trump's big lie, the Democrats, and many in the media, are doing something remarkably similar by claiming these laws are an effort to steal the coming election. He then breaks down all these laws do is stop mass mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, something Democrats used to stand for. And then this week, unbelievably, He actually said that. He says it's just harder to find them. Oh, really? Because we shock and awed after January 6th. We've awed nobody with the thousands of riots, billions of dollars of damage. We've done nothing because they're on the same team. Course. And then the big, big kahunas, he's going to help her try to still get elected, but they both got some censured because what they're doing now is just going after anything. It's no longer about January 6th. It's no longer about Trump. It's about trying to get 130 members in Congress to get unseated. And Liz Cheney's assisting in it. This turd bucket, Mr. Vinman, oh, now he's suing. I'm not even going to read it. That guy's not an officer. He's not a soldier. He should take a CIB off and somebody should punch him in his head. But the most disturbing thing that happened <clears throat> since last election or podcast And let me flip through, because that's disturbing. But this is pretty impressive. So when the New York Times decided to go after dark money to help the Democrats, what they found is the Democrats, who spend all their time with the media talking about dark money, spent billions, billions in dark money. So what did their main guy do? If the media is not going to be pro-democracy, then it's probably it's time for the courts to revisit New York Times versus Sullivan, as conservative lawyers suggest. The case was premised on a role in democracy that the mainstream media seems increasingly disinterested in playing. They went after the New York Times. The reality is the New York Times for once, as did this PBS, article, found that it's all hyperbole.
10: Just quickly, uh, to both of you, Amy, redistricting. We've been talking a lot about Republican, uh, Republican legislatures uh, and commissions drawing districts to favor them. But in New York state, we're now seeing a new map that heavily favors Democrats. That's right. And, Judy, this is a state that in
2: 2014, voters uh, put a ballot, uh, approved a ballot measure uh, that took redistricting out of the hands of politicians, put it in the hands of a bipartisan commission. And surprise to no one, that bipartisan commission broke down, was polarized. So it went back to the legislature, which is dominated by Democrats. Democrats gerrymandered a very favorable map for themselves, which would basically cut the Republican delegation in half from eight to four. Democrats would pick up or have seats that are more Democratic, three more seats that are heavily Democratic. Uh, That is a substantial, substantial uh, redistricting gerrymander there in New York. It doesn't break the letter of the law, but it certainly calls into question the spirit of what was supposed to be government reform and taking it out of the hands of a, of a partisan process.
6: So who's gender- gerrymandering? All you see in the media is articles about Republican state houses fucking over Democrats, but then you actually dig into it like the dark money, it's actually them. There is a segment a night on Channel 5 News because of the Tennessee State House redistricting and breaking up Nashville. And they even brought on the representative to whine about it. Because they didn't want rural voters to dilute the district. That's a, their exact words. And then you have this. This was a blip in the media. The Capitol Police investigating people visiting their congressperson. Not Democrats, just Republicans. Do you know what would have happened if this happened under Donald Trump? Do you know the just gnawing of teeth that would have happened if this happened under Trump, I mean, let's not even talk about the fact that I played on there. <clears throat> Ukraine telling him that to ramp down his shit and that the re- Ukrainian president is correcting Biden on what's really happening. Let's not talk about that. That was an impeachable thing. Questioning the election, impeachable thing. We impeach Trump over all sorts of shit that Biden did, and we're not doing it now. Isn't that interesting? He was going to destroy the very foundation of democracy. And here they are, laughing about crime, just whatevs. What if? I mean, I used to all the time uh, cover the March for Life, and I haven't covered it lately. But since we have a little time, this is how CNN covered it.
10: At this hour, protesters are gathering in Washington for a large anti abortion demonstration. It's a march held annually since the Supreme Court's landmark decision, Roe v. Wade. But this year, organizers are expecting the rally to be a historic one, since the right to an abortion is more in peril than ever before. The Supreme Court considering more than one case this term that could effectively ban a women's, women's access to safe and legal abortions. Tomorrow is the 49th anniversary of Roe. Let's get over to CNN's Joe Johns with more on this. Joe, there's no mistaking this is a pivotal moment for a woman's right to choose.
13: That's absolutely right. And uh, just to sort of underscore what you said a minute ago, it's been since 1974 they've been holding this march. And as always, huge numbers of people streaming in from every direction. This has always been a crowd that contains a lot of Catholic high school students, but many adults as well. I talked to a guy from Detroit uh, who flew in a couple days ago. An expectation here, as you said, that things are going to be very different, perhaps this time next. Because of the six-to-three conservative majority in the United States Supreme Court, as well as uh, the cases that are before the court, including the Texas case, the Mississippi case, and this expectation that the Supreme Court will do something dramatic to change uh, the standard of Roe versus Wade. That flies in the face, of course, of what we see in the polling. Poll last year by CNN late last year indicated More than two to one of Americans polled said they don't want to see Roe versus Wade overturned. So for this crowd that continues to protest, regardless of what the court does, and there will still be a lot more for them to do, quite frankly, because as so many people know, the fight over abortion is not just... So that poll is
6: very, very accurate. All the other polls that say that we don't want to actually not have voter ID, that the president shouldn't just appoint a black person because they're black. I mean, the myriad of things that January 6th was just a riot that got out of hand. All those things, right? No, I turned it the wrong way. Those, yeah, fuck those polls. But abortion, that poll. I hope they wipe the whole thing clean. I hope CNN goes back to what CNN used to be, an actual news network that most of us watched. I mean, I relied on it in the 90s until they turned woke. I mean, I I knew if I was going to go to war, I knew I was going to go to the riots because of CNN. I mean, seriously, the LA riots. They told me before I got the call. So, yeah, we're a mess. It's been a long time. I don't remember the last time I did a podcast. Uh, What date was the last podcast? Holy crap! It was a long time ago. Let me see. I got it right here. The last podcast that we did was the twenty second of January. So it's been a while, and I apologize, but I got sick and shit. for kind of hit the fan. A lot of dominoes have fallen, but nothing's really changed. When I went out yesterday, and I could do it because I technically became positive Monday, so Saturday was day six. I went to get medicine for my wife. And there is no medicine. Now granted, I'm in an area that I think most people are treating it like a cold because that's what it feels like. And they, they're not going and getting tested. But it's getting worse. Nothing's getting better. My electricity bill was two hundred and forty fucking dollars. It's never been two hundred forty. Ever. That's even with the dogs having their heat in the sunroom all night. It usually is 170, but it's gone up $70. Gas, shortages. Tell me what has been built back better, anything. What I see is all the fascism that you guys screamed about that was so scary that Trump was doing, but wasn't doing because you were stopping him from doing anything, you're doing it. I see a little peppermint panty bitch bag on the fucking podium every day, fucking lying. I don't see you following science. I see you following an agenda, a liberal agenda that it it just doesn't matter if it's best for America. It doesn't matter, period. It's all about your politics. And I got to admit it's pretty fucking depressing. Biden is incapable They don't even have him around people because they're so scared he's going to get COVID and die. That leaked out this week. He's on a fake Oval Office set. His wife tours the country. This isn't what democracy looks like. It just isn't. And you can all point fingers at Fox you can say Fox is the reason why you can't get a good burger at Burger King. But now we find out you're watching Fox and you're watching Tucker Carlson because most of the stuff Tucker Carlson is putting out is common sense shit. I do not know how many fucking interviews I've seen of people saying, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me. But somehow, some way, Biden believes if he stays with the far, far left, he's gonna be okay and get reelected. The way he looks, he won't even be alive in 2024. The man looks horrible. I had COVID and I look better. Well, I don't look great. Beard's kind of fucked up. You know, what are you gonna do? So. This wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com. You can find the video and the audio of all the shows we've done. I really apologize. There hasn't been a lot of shows. Uh, Just couldn't get downstairs. Thought it was best just to stay in my little hole so I didn't get the dogs or whatever. I don't know. It was a very interesting week in our family because the wife was fighting the thought that she had COVID when she did. She still didn't want to be around me, and it was... It was pretty rough, but I need to go take care of her. I'm going back to work tomorrow. I have Friday off, so our next show will be Friday. And hopefully then I'll actually have a format, and it'll be a little more interesting today. But I thank you if you did listen to this. And I can honestly say, now that I've had it, shame on them. Shame on all of them. COVID's just a really bad cold. It's a bad one. I'm not, I don't want to get it again. I mean, it sucks, but you have to actually realize you're not going to die. And I think for my wife, when I got COVID, she thought I was going to die because the media have done such a fear job. But all of a sudden after day two, I started going, this is just a cold. It's a really bad cold. You feel like shit. But then your body fights it off. It's not a death sentence. So shame on them for making us all think it was. Those 800,000 people that have died, it's super sad. But I bet if you looked over three years, 800,000 people have died of the flu. Shame on them. Y'all take care out there. Talk to you Friday. Thank you.